0: Right now, our friends at Princeton University Press are having a remarkable site wide sale. You can get 50% off books, including ebooks and audiobooks, with the code 50, FIFTY at checkout until May 31. You can save some real money on Princeton University Press books. I encourage you to go there and check it out. Welcome to the New Books Network. Hello, salam, and welcome to the podcast New Books in Islamic Studies. A channel with the New Books Network. This is your host Shahana Sakhani. Today, we're in an exciting conversation with Simonetta Calderini about her new book, one that I have been waiting for for a very long time: "Women as Imams: Classical Islamic Sources and Modern Debates on Leading Prayer," published in 2021 with IB Taurus. Simonetta Calderini is Reader in Islamic Studies at the University of Roehampton in London. She has been postdoctoral research fellow at the Oriental Institute at the University of Naples in Italy and she's a co-author of a groundbreaking book on women in pre-modern Islam called Women and the Fatimids in the World of Islam published in 2006 with Edinburgh. Women as Imams offers an excellent overview of the debate apparently controversial today on women's leadership of prayer in Islam. Among the questions that it explores are, what does Islam say about women's leadership of prayer? And what do we mean by Islam here? What sources have Muslim scholars used historically to answer this question? And what do those sources say exactly? And also in some cases, what changes have those sources undergone? What are the conditions under which women can lead prayers if at all, and what types of prayers can they lead? Do Sunnis and Shi'is differ on the matter? And perhaps why? How do contemporary Muslims respond to and deal with this question? For Calderini, contemporary discussions of women-led prayers reveal a lot about Islam generally, including questions of religious authority, conceptions of tradition in the past, and so on. But it especially brings to light the role that the past plays in contemporary Muslim attitudes about the ways that the normative past is imagined, even when textual scriptural evidence is contrary to the dominant or mainstream attitude. Throughout this discussion the author also highlights the discrepancy between scriptural evidence and social mores the latter of which especially in this case has in the question of female led prayers has been instrumental to our understanding of women led prayers in today's conversation Caldurani walks us through the many possible answers to the question can women lead prayers in Islam these answers range as with pretty much all other topics in Islam From, yes, women can lead all kinds of prayers unconditionally to, no, they absolutely cannot lead anyone in prayer, like, ever. We discuss the ways that female prayer leadership is connected to broader issues, such as religious authority and an imagined past or consensus. We also talk about some of the Muslim women who have, both historically and in more recent times, led prayers, as well as scholars and other authoritative figures who endorse female-led prayers. Before I give away any more of this discussion, here is my interview with Simonetta. Hi, Simonetta. Thank you so, so much for joining me today to talk about your wonderful book, Women as Imams, Classical Islamic Sources and Modern Debates on Leading Prayer. I loved it. I'm I'm so excited that it's out. I could not wait to, to read it. Um, it's also very, very famous in a Facebook group or something that I founded called Feminist Islamic Troublemakers of North America and everybody's talking about it and everybody's raving about it so thank you so much for writing this finally. Well I'm very
1: pleased thank you Shehnaz it's a pleasure to have been invited um, and to be here.
0: Absolutely so it's our tradition on this podcast to ask our authors to tell us about themselves and their intellectual journey could you tell us about that please? Yeah sure Um, Um, I've been teaching um, Islamic
1: studies and religious studies for uh, several years uh, at the University of Roehampton, London, UK. Um, My um, intellectual journey towards the study of Islam uh, is uh, the result of educational but also cultural, spiritual and historical context. And as you can hear from my slight accent, I'm Italian, And it is here that I lived uh, through the exciting 1970s uh, with plenty of youth movements, some spiritual, uh, esoteric, others political, uh, at a time of important um, economic um, uh, and uh, political events uh, linked to the Middle East and North Africa, Uh, probably Shehnaz, who were not even alive then. Um, I lived in a university uh, city uh, where several Arab, Iranian and other international students Um, were attending courses, and they were politically and culturally active. So being a natural curious person um, um, uh, in that otherwise quite um, sheltered city, I set out to to learn about the variety of cultures, of religions, among which, of course, Islam in its uh, great um, uh, richness and uh, uh, diversity. And later on, I moved to the famed uh, University L'Orientale in the glorious, but totally crazy Italian city that is Naples. I studied classical Arabic. I studied Farsi, uh, as well as Middle Eastern and Islamic history, uh, theology and philosophy, Kalam, Khalsa. After Egypt and Tunisia, my studies took me to London, UK, um, where uh, I did a PhD, I completed a PhD in Islamic studies. Uh, with a dissertation about uh, Islamic Ismaili cosmology, uh, neoplatonism and religious authority. Um, And uh, the issue of religious authority and leadership, uh, the complexity, the ways in which uh, it is validated has remained a constant interest throughout my research. And of course, in the present book, Women as Imams. Um, As for Islam and gender, um, I have been among the first in the UK to teach it as a topic in its own right at university level at Roehampton. And I co-wrote the first ever monographic book on the social history of women during the Fatimid dynasty. It was a response to a kind of challenge, um, and I do respond to challenges, um, to the skepticism of scholarly uh, establishment to believe that I would not find enough material even to write a chapter. And the result was uh, the book Women and the Fatimids in the World of Islam. I think that's all about me for the time being.
0: Well speaking of challenges and, and responding to challenges I think this is an excellent excellent response to the kind of challenge that you know the practice of female-led prayers get. So speaking of which then how did the book come about and why now? Uh, yes Um, The book,
1: Women uh, as Imams, is indeed a challenge, was indeed a challenge. It was a response uh, to um, what I think was a much-needed informed balance uh, in the quite one-sided debates on female ritual leadership in Islam over the last 15 years, uh, 17, 18 years. Um, You can actually read the actual event that triggered the idea of the book, uh, um, uh, because I outline it in the prologue to the book itself. It's just one page in the book. Um, So um, what makes the book different is that I think, um, what is its contribution? Uh, It's the first comprehensive monograph on the question of whether a Muslim woman can lead prayer. Uh, It is comprehensive uh, in its coverage of the various Islamic legal schools and scholarly opinions. So I included Sunni, Shi'i, both Twelver and Seveners, Sufi, opinions and scholars. Uh, It is comprehensive also regarding the time span the book covers, uh, bridging the present and the past from the 7th century to the 21st um, and the book is also inclusive because it features opinions about women leading prayer, um, women acting as imams as imams, but also particularly in the second part, which is uh, covering the present, it features the voices, the opinions, the interpretations of female leadership by the women imams themselves, uh, from the better-known um, scholars uh, such as Amina Wadud. Uh, to uh, the imams of the Women's Mosque of America, uh, of Los Angeles, like Edina lekovich or the Inclusive Mosque Initiative in London, um, uh, or the words of a Chinese uh, female imam, like, (coughs) for example, uh, Du Aho. Um, uh, And uh, um, finally, the book is... uh, um, different in that it is multidisciplinary and multifaceted. So I use uh, different types of approaches from historical, theological, textual, linguistic, socially, um, sociological, and uh, discourse analy- analysis as well. It is not only a book, therefore, on legal theological opinions, but it also discusses the way in which um, and the reasons why um, um, legal scholars and scholars in general engaged in such a debate. Uh, the discourse behind it so puts their opinions into historical legal and theological but uh, also social cultural context um, i uh, um, i don't know if i covered uh, um, uh, about the contribution
0: enough uh, or should i say more about that's um, yes. That's excellent. Which that actually, um, maybe, maybe related to the next question I was going to ask you, which is on the, the main arguments that, that are raised in the book. Um, mm. how, how does the book? Yes,
1: uh, yes, I mean, that's that's a big, um, right. a big one. <laughs> um, yeah, um, what I can say is that, um, um, the book, uh, is as you as you saw as you read it, is multi layered and rich. Uh, it is uh, exhaustive, <laughs> um, and, and uh, therefore it, it includes many arguments. Um, it analyzes critically uh, di- the different sources and approaches. And one of the main points, I think, or the main achievements, uh, according to some of the um, uh, reviews and readers' comments, is that it challenges long-held assumptions, such as, for example, that on the claim the unanimous legal consensus um, among Muslim uh, legal scholars against the legitimacy of female imamah. Uh, the book includes sufficient examples to contradict such a claim, and maybe we can talk about it a little bit uh, later. But definitely uh, the book shows that there is, and there has never been, a unanimous consensus um, um, about the issue of uh, um, uh, female uh, leadership prayer. So, um, main arguments well, when it comes to the main sources that I use, um, uh, you know, among them obviously is hadith, but also fiqh um, uh, um, works. Well, when it comes to hadith, uh, the book obviously explores the authenticity, uh, but ab- above all, the selective use that scholars made of these hadiths and the various, the different versions of hadith. And I do this by analyzing both the ISNAD, um, the chain of transmitters and the MATN, uh, the content. And of course, I I also analyze the context in which um, those hadiths were collected, reported and and used. Uh, So, one of the main arguments is that the book uh, uh, gives evidence that these narratives have a life and they use far beyond issues of authenticity and the reliability of their transmitters, meaning weak Hadiths still have legal efficacy. They are still used in legal discourse. And this we we might probably encounter some of them later on. Uh, So um, about the foundations, I think, you know, the, the book analyzes the hadith, the several hadith, uh, which narrate about the prophet's wives and um, his female companions um, who are reported as leading prayer, leading other people in prayer. Uh, among them is the um, the one on the female companion, Warata, Um Warata, died around 640, um, whom, according to a number of uh, um collectors and scholars, uh, for example, Ibn Sa'd, but also Abu Daoud, uh, whom the prophet ordered, Amara, uh, to lead the people Ahl, of her household in prayer. Um, so over time, oh. and that is one argument, um, over time, uh, in different versions of those hadiths, as, for example, in uh, 10th century uh, Adara Darakutni. That order uh, the prophet ordered her um, to lead becomes a permission. Uh, The people of her household become the women of her household until, in later versions, the mention of Umwara Kastreya and prayer leadership disappears altogether. So there are changes in matn. Uh, and in the selection of the hadith version, which is most fitting to support a specific scholarly stance on the topic. Uh, And the analysis of these changes uh, opens up the understanding and use of the text, not only in theological and legal context, but also um, historical and geographical setting, and gives an insight into the social understanding of uh, gender hierarchy. Uh, by reflecting an increased uh, conservatism in the debate on ritual ritual leadership. Uh, Mm -hmm. And of course, different tools were used to justify this increased conservatism, but maybe we can can look at that in more details um, later on.
0: You know, when I was doing my research on female-led prayer for my dissertation, because it was one of the questions that I explored in my dissertation research as well, and I came across your study, I think you'd written an article or given a talk because I'm so grateful for all of your work on female-led prayers. Um, one thing that also struck me, and you discussed it in this book as well, is the word dar and how in this hadith, in the hadith on Mwaraqa, it's both you know whether the prophet ordered her, that language changes over time in this hadith. So the, the text of the hadith is changing with time um, in accordance with social customs and such, but also the word dar, and, and that was so striking to me and such a betrayal. Um, and, you know, I mean, it, it's infuriating, right? But I mean, I have a lot to say on female-led prayer, as you, as you can tell. But um, so tell us then, what are some of the positions regarding woman-led prayers? Because it's like you said, there's no unanimity on, on any one position. Um, so there is, and, and, you, and, and you address, and this is one thing that I, one of the things that I loved about your book, as you mentioned earlier as well, you're dealing with Sunni and Sufi and Shi'i. You're not just dealing with one particular sect. Um, or group of Muslims opinions, and, and you are looking at historical and also contemporary. And oh, it's just it's just so brilliantly done. Thank you so much for it. So what are some of the positions regarding women led prayers in, in Muslim history, historically, and maybe contemporary as well?
1: Okay, um, well, Shehnaz, thank you so much uh, for all the praise. Um, I'm glad that, um, you know, this was of benefit <laughs> to uh, to scholars. And yes, the issue of dar, um, uh, as, as you know, I suggest, uh, obviously there are a number of interpretations, and dar uh, means many things, um, uh, not only home, not only house, but, uh, you know, it could be broader, and it could even mean... Um, more than that, it could be a tribe or a group. So um, um, your question on the positions um, about the female mammal Well, as you said, um, uh, you know, um, it, it, there is complexity, nuance and, and variety. So I'm a little bit hesitant to, um, you know, to put it um, in, in, a, in a short, concise manner, because I don't want to risk simplification. When you know the, the, there is so much variety and, uh, and there are so many shades of opinions. Uh, within legal schools Um, and even, you know, within an individual scholar. An individual scholar can obviously uh, change slightly um, his or her opinions. So let's try and do it in a nutshell for for our listeners to make it uh, possible. Okay, so in a nutshell, prohibition. Um, um, A Muslim woman cannot lead men uh, nor women in prayer. nuances a lot. Uh, where is the prayer taking place? Uh, which type of prayer? Um, who, is the con- who is among the congregation? Where is it? Is it in a mosque, in a house, etc. But anyway, a Muslim woman cannot lead men nor women in prayer. Mal- the Malikis, um, uh, now I think the second largest madhab, um, um, uh, support uh, prohibition, full prohibition of leadership, whether the congregation is male or female. Um, On which basis? Well, um, um, according to, um, um, for example, al-Baji, 11th century, um, is as a result of of the female lack of perfection, meaning um, the imam um, is the guide, the leader of the congregation. Therefore, um, uh, has to be um, an exemplar, the best of the congregation, uh, uh, you know, closest to, to, um, uh, to the prophet, uh, to a leader in, its, in his perfection. And according to Baji, um, uh, women are not perfect. They have uh, two main deficiencies. And of course, he uses uh, um, uh, apt hadith to support that. And the two main deficiencies are deficiency in religion, din, and in intellect. This is what Al-Baji says. Um, Deficiency in religion, we are used to that uh, in terms of, uh, um, for example, uh, to do with um, the the issue of purity. Um, uh, When a woman menstruates or when she has just given birth, um, 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 she's considered to be impure to approach prayers, so let alone lead the prayer. Uh, So this is one of the justifications. Um, A little bit deeper, if we go a little bit deeper, uh, there is um, a a methodological uh, reason, which is the fact that the Malikis uh, rely on what they called um, as the practice of Medina, what they believe to be uh, the orally transmitted practice of Medina. So prohibition Malikis. Uh, You may ask, how about... the the practice in Medina that we mentioned earlier, on the basis of the Hadith, on Um Umm and others. Uh, Well, the Hanafis, um, um, which is the largest, at present, the largest madhab, I I, I believe, in the Muslim world, um, shifted their position from a variety um, of um, um, opinions at the beginning uh, to that of permission for women only. for a women-only congregation, that is, a woman can lead in prayer, but only other women. Uh, this is what Shaibani, for example, uh, stated in the ninth century. But over time, there is a development, whereby scholars believe that it is, it is better for a woman, in fact, to pray on her own, not in group. Therefore, there is no need for a woman to lead prayer. Until we come to the 11th, 12th century, um, when uh, there is this uh, um, Um, use of the theory of abrogation, whereby female leadership of Priya had been abrogated. Now, if you look more closely uh, at the sources, they don't tell you uh, when this happened. They don't tell you who abrogated it. And even what was abrogated. um, Was the practice that was abrogated or the um, desirability of, of the leadership? So it is unclear. Um, uh, if you add to this another development, that of the concept of fitna, um, which in, applied to a woman has to do with temptation, uh, then you have the, you know, general uh, position of uh, um, permission for women only congregation, but even better not. So uh, it is theoretically and legally still valid, that kind of uh, um, uh, uh, leadership, but it is not desirable. Um, when it comes to the Shafi uh, Madhab, um, um, they argue that, that they base their arguments um, on textual evidence on Hadith, and this is quite interesting. I was very excited when when I was reading the Kitab al-Um by um, a Shafi, uh, the eponym of the school, uh, because he doesn't mention Um Salama Aisha and the Jaria of uh, Alibn al-Hussein um, um, as examples and precedents of women leading other women in prayer. And the argument of Ashafi goes, uh, look, the important thing is that uh, because the prayer is a legal obligation, uh, that obligation has to be fulfilled. Even if the leader is not the ideal leader, uh, who, of course, you know, according to the Times, would have been the male leader, it is better for that obligation to be fulfilled rather than wait for the ideal leader. So, um, this is for the Shafi, um, um, who eventually um, um, limited the female leadership uh, to leadership at home rather than in a mosque or uh, in another context. Um, Hanbali, um, this is the more recent school, um, at first it was legally permissible for a woman to lead women, even desirable, uh, according to Ibn Qudama, for example, uh, no abrogation there, but <laughs> times have changed, um, this is the uh, facade al-Zaman, they have become corrupted and they deteriorated. Uh, So, really, better not. However, you know, look at um, a scholar like like Ibn Taymiyyah, uh, 14th century, for whom female leadership of prayer, of women, uh, is legitimate, even desirable. So, you see, there is variation. Um, um, Shia, uh, both 12 and the 7ers, um, female leadership of other women is legitimate if the woman leads not from the front, but from the middle. Different reasons for it, but uh, this is the you know the overarching type of uh, um, of argument. And in the book, I um, um, I refer to a two thousand year two thousand fatwa by the then president of Iran, Mohammad Khatami, um, uh, um, stating um, and reaffirming the permission for women to lead other women in prayer in Friday prayer. So I leave you to, to, to read the book to see, uh, to see what kind of uh, uh, context and provisos um, are, are included there. And one, one thing is, let's remember the theory and the practice. This is something that when we look at uh, legal discourses and legal opinions, I repeat over and over in the book. Because you might have uh, a, a theoretical permission of women leading uh, other women in prayer, the the practice might be quite different. So, so far I talked about um, mainly prohibition, permission for women to lead other women in prayer. How about leading men? Um, uh, Well, for um, the pre-modern times, uh, um, it would be best more accurate uh, rather than talking about the permission of women leading mixed cr- congregations, um, the, the focus was on the validity of prayer, the validity of prayer of a man who is led by a woman. So is, is prayer still valid? This is how they put it in uh, in legal terms in pre-modern, pre-modern times. Um, a very... Um, 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 Interesting position um, is that of uh, um, the Sufi, uh, the mystic, uh, polymath, etc., etc., Ibn Arabi, 13th century. I devoted a whole section uh, in the book to, um, to the quite complex uh, um, statements uh, in his uh, Futuhat, um, Hat. Uh, and basically, Ibn Arabi um, uh, argues that a spiritual leadership is given uh, by God irrespective of gender, uh, of the gender of the the recipient, of its recipient. Um, But as I I argue in the book, um, there is still obviously a hierarchical um, um, understanding, uh, both in theory and possibly in practice in uh, Ibn Arabi. But this is a fantastic section, which I really enjoyed um, uh, covering. so, in terms of legal scholars uh, who were not against the, um, you know, the leadership of a woman uh, leading in prayer, men, um, they in pre-modern times they justified their position uh, by applying the concept of preeminence of companions and the methods of the ahl al hadith, that is, um, the precedent found in the Hadith at the time of the prophet. Uh, a president like uh, um, um uh, and uh, um, uh, the the scholars um um, um who are not against the woman leading men in prayer include um 9th century uh, abu Thawr al-baghdadi uh, al-muzani uh, Dawud al zahiri or the more famous 10th century um, um at-tabari muhammad ibn jarir at-tabari uh, the author of the tafsir, but also the tariq. Um, you also asked about the present. Uh, very quickly, um, the arguments in favor of female imams of men um, uh, or of a mixed congregation. Well, um, a number uh, of uh, examples that I mentioned in the book, uh, the female imams themselves, of course, Amina Wadud. Uh, but also um, uh, USA based Natia Jackson, Pamela Taylor. Uh, I also men- mention um, uh, the um, work of uh, um, the Danish Imam Sherine Khan Khan, or um, words and arguments of UK-based uh, um, imams such as Asma Ball, for example. Uh, among the male supporters, uh, there are um, um, scholars like Abdel nur Pardo, the Chair of International Congress of Islamic Feminism, mm-hmm. um, with some provisors uh, Khaled uh, Abul Fadl, um, he issued a fatwa in 2010 um, uh, about uh, the permissibility of uh, um, of a, uh, of, of a woman leading men in prayer on condition that men are not behind her, but on her side. Um, and others, such as, you know, the Grand Mufti of Marseille, uh, Sohab Ben-Sheikh. My favorite, um, uh, I really enjoyed going to the British Library to um, to read his, uh, his, his book, is uh, the Egyptian intellectual uh, and unionist um, and activist uh, Jamal al-Banna. Uh, he died in 2013. Um, yes, al-Banna of the same family, uh, in fact, uh, is the younger brother of Hassan, the founder of the Ikhwan al-Muslimin. Uh, Jamal al-Banna uh, wrote in Arabic a book of endorsement of female imam of men, um, um, only a few months uh, after Amina, Amina Wadud's 2005 New York uh, prayer leadership. Uh, In the book, um, um, which I um, paraphrase uh, from Arabic, uh, some of the main arguments in in, in my book, um, he he argues that um, all the negative reactions to Amina's leadership mask the fact that the main issue at stake is not prayer leadership, but as he put it, that of woman and um, specifically the assumed inferiority of woman, based on what um, uh, Jamal al-Banna um, uh, believes uh, uh, to be a, patriarch, a patriarchal misreading of the Quranic passages and message. So, sorry, the nutshell has become a little bit of a tree, maybe a bonsai, but I hope I have answered the most of, of, the, um, um, of the question about the, the, the positions. Um, of the legal schools,
0: <laughs> you know that was that was an excellent excellent summary of the the very very different positions um, in both history and in contemporary times. So thank you. No, that was that was wonderful. Uh, my favorite is when they those uh, the, the legal schools or the individuals who don't support it, and then they they'll find the hadith, you know, like the ones that you talk about in the book, um, and they'll have the hadith right in front of them, but they'll still say, well, I know the hadith says, you know, women can lead women in, in prayer at the very least, but I still prefer, or I dislike. <laughs> I love how much esteem you give yourself, like how much importance you give yourself and your opinions. I guess they knew they, their opinions would basically become, you know, it would, would, be, would essentially ultimately become attributed to God. Um, so they had, they, had a, they had a point. But so this comes up in our discussion in a lot of, the, in, in, in a lot of your answers so far, but what does, what does the discussion or the history of this discussion and this debate on female-led prayer tell us about other issues in Islam? What other issues are at stake here? Oh, um,
1: um, quite quite a number of them. Um, uh, obviously, um, the issue of uh, um, female religious authority itself, um, how a female authority is achieved, how it is validated, Um, how it is acknowledged, by whom, and how it is exercised. Uh, And there are evolving uh, meanings and understandings of uh, what a female uh, religious authority or religious authority uh, as a whole uh, actually um, um, are. Um, Especially in the second part of the book uh, um, that covers modern cases of female imams in different continents, those cases um, of, of female imams become illustrations of a number of answers to these questions, answers which reflect um, different expressions of authority, um, um, or different types of women's agency in different cultures, uh, circumstances, and different times. So uh, I, I give examples of women imams uh, in, the, in the Maldives, for example, the Mudahim, uh, in, the, in the women's mosques, um, which unfortunately have been um, um, uh, closed uh, over the last, uh, the last uh, um, years. And, uh, you know, they, uh, they, there are references to them being, um, being opened in 1970s uh, with the uh, state sponsorship. Then I give examples of uh, um, uh, women imams in, uh, in the women's mosques of uh, central China. And I give examples of also of uh, one example uh, from Somalia, 1960s, 70s, roughly, of uh, um, of, uh, Injabi Day. Other issues, um, well, the recurrent motif of the book is, uh, which I think is paramount as a means of legitimizing authority and leadership, is the use of tradition uh, and the reappropriation of the past. Um, And uh, um, this is... Uh, broader than just the issue of continuity and, and rupture. Uh, but it is also about how the past is constructed and how it is deployed, used in different ways. Uh, the book argues that the past is not fixed. Uh, it is a changing, evolving discourse. Um, uh, as uh, um, uh, Assad, Talal Asad put it, the anthropologists put it, uh, it is a discursive tradition uh, which uh, uh, references the past Um, is uh, um, um, embodied uh, in the present and is projected to uh, hopefully shape the future. Um, And uh, to sum up, uh, while some of the classical arguments against the female imamah are still used today, you know, the weak hadith are still used, the abrogation, uh, um, the the fact that the practice is legitimate only for the women of the prophet's time and is not applicable to today, etc., etc., Other um, um, arguments uh, reflect the modern contemporary context and discourse, especially the political understanding and discourse of fitna and dissent, uh, which um, the opponents of uh, female leadership of prayer believe will result in the disunity of the Ummah, in some cases uh, linking it to conspiracy conspiracy theories of the West versus Islam. one important shift in the debates uh, in the debate is the development of the role of the imam you know herself or himself especially in muslim minority countries uh, where the imam is not only a prayer leader but also a counselor a legal guide a chaplain a community spokesman for the media and, um Shana, there are many more um arguments and issues uh, um, in this book and uh, um i hope that the attentive reader will uncover them uh, right. ponder and think about it and uh, hopefully gain from them
0: and and you do an uh, the, the book uh I think it's near the end it does an excellent job discussing this use how the, how the past is being used and unused and revised you know to fit particular ideas and i uh, other scholars who've written on female led prayers have also pointed out that ultimately what's happening is you know, you come you you first make the conclusion and then you you know find the evidence. And if one of those pieces of evidence happens to be, well, this is the, the, the conclusion, if the conclusion is that no woman cannot lead prayer, then you'll find all kinds of evidence or arguments to, to support that. Um, but I, I really enjoyed your discussion on, on on the use of the past. And and that 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 is a part of your argument in the book is is very excellently done. Um, and of course, what it's doing to tradition and how traditions are being formed and reformed. Um, so I, one of the reasons why I love talking about female-led prayer, because it tells us so much about more than just female-led prayers or prayer leadership or ritual authority and so on. It does a lot more than that as well. So thank you. Um, is there anything else that you would like to talk about before we come to a close? Um. um... Maybe in
1: another, in another, um, on another occasion, uh, you okay. know, there, there is a lot. I mean, um, earlier on, when we were having our uh, private conversation and ex- exchanges, you mentioned about. Uh, um, uh, some of the um, uh, the figures uh, I introduce in the book and one uh, who is less famous than others. Of course, we know about uh, Aisha, we know about Um Salama, we know about uh, Um Waraka, uh, but you uh, you, were you quite yes. impressed with Ghazala, I think. Uh, the, Ghazala, the,
0: she was so fascinating to read about. I had never heard about her and I did I, I love having a list of these women as you know as, as historical evidence of we can do this or other women have done it too. Yes.
1: <laughs> well, um, uh, Razala, um, she she's a great character. I mean, uh, whether it is a, a kind of uh, um, literary um, figure or uh, you know how far um, uh, it is actually historically accurate, that's that's that, that's a question. But the sources for. Um, um you know, who talked about uh, Ghazala are historical, um, uh, and some of them are um, historiographies uh, um, against the Harijis. Uh, she's uh, she's the wife of a Hariji leader, uh, so th- that's 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 really uh, you know probably a book in itself because it opens up the issue of the. Um, Imama uh, Al Kubra and uh, Imama Surra, uh, the um, leadership of uh, the political and military leadership and the prayer leadership. And it's interesting that uh, it, it's not only um, um, about Hazala who was obviously you know within um, um, issues of uh, um, Hariji rebellions, etc., etc., but in fact is a link that I establish also. Uh, in the discussion about um Waraka and Um, um Salama, uh, because there is a link between their status uh, their uh, um, their support and zeal for uh, for the prophet and and for the islam you know the cause of islam their participation or their wa- their will to participate in in uh, war and their leadership of prayer so that's that's a a, a whole uh, a new Avenue, uh, a new trajectory that uh, I'd
0: love to um, uh, to address, um, maybe yeah. in the next life. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was that was the other interesting theme that that I think appears in 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 the in the, in the question of women-led prayer is like how sort of his, how historically and politically grounded these opinions are. The way that you know Ghazala is remembered or talked about or portrayed compared to Um Salama or Aisha or Ummaraka. Um, and also one thing that I found fascinating and we'll have to talk about it at a different point, but um, the, you know, the, the Shia response to female led prayer, I, 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 don't think it's possible. And you, and you just talked about the, 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 the nuances of the different positions, but the, what was so interesting to me is that Shiais appear to be a lot more open to letting women lead prayer than Sunnis, I think are, um, but but that response is rooted in in politics. It's rooted in in, in their status and identity as shiris, as minority minority figures in in history and so on. So it's I mean such a rich such a rich subject and such a wonderful wonderful book. I I I'm so glad that this exists. Thank you again for and I keep saying I keep thanking you, but I've been I've been looking for something like this for so long, and it's finally out. i so I'm really grateful. And as we come to a close, we like to ask our authors if they can tell us about any new or any current projects, research projects that they're working on that they're willing to share with us um, that we can look forward to in the near future. Uh,
1: yes, uh, thank you. Thank you for thanking me. Thank you. Um, um, I have um, two, three projects that I'm currently working on or supposed to work on. And one is more relevant to, to the main topic of this book and our uh, our conversation, and it is to look at the impact um, of the COVID-19 pandemic on female leadership of prayer and Friday prayer performance. Um, as I was finishing my book on women as imams, the first lockdown came in force uh, um, in the UK. Uh, Because of the restrictions and not without controversy, of course, some Friday prayers started to be delivered online um, in different ways, including via Zoom, for example. And the virtual environment of an online Friday prayer during a pandemic raises the question of the extent to which gender hierarchies and roles uh, are still maintained or lifted in cyberspace. And one of the research questions I I ask is this, is the easing of gender restrictions due to special circumstances, or can it be applied to the expanding online presence of religious female preachers, leaders, uh, and female prayer performance? Question mark. Hmm. Shinaj, are you still there? Oh, yes, I'm here. Oh, I'm sorry. I I, that, that, that was my project, uh, my, okay. uh, one oh.
0: of my projects. Okay. I wasn't sure if you were going to continue, if there was a glitch or something and okay. So, oh, that sounds really exciting. And it is so true that with the, with the pandemic, I too got invitations to lead prayers and to give khutbas, and that has never happened before. And I was like, Whoa, <laughs> so it definitely, definitely changed something. Oh, that's an exciting, that's an exciting and relevant project. Thank you for working on that too. Um So that is all that I have for us today. Um, I'm so glad this conversation happened and I cannot wait to share this around with people and cannot wait to gift people this book of yours um, who have been also, who people always ask for, you know, references and resources on this question, especially when they're honest enough to know that they don't know enough about it before they can give an opinion on it. And it's, it's really such a relevant topic and such an important topic. And I'm, I'm, I'm happy. I'm happy that finally another resource exists that, we can, um, we can, we can. That, that helps us better understand the, the subject. So, thank you.
1: Thank you, thank you, Shahnaz, for hosting this um, this event, and uh, thank you for asking the questions, and thank you for thanking me, and uh, um, you know, and for being so um, um, so positive uh, about uh, about the contribution of my book. Thank you, Shahnaz.
0: Absolutely. All right. So that was our conversation with Samaneta Calderini on her new book, Women as Imams, Classical Islamic Sources and Modern Debates on Leading Prayer, published in 2021 with I.B. Taurus. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you again soon. Lakhdeh Paman.